Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. You can call right now. Alex will answer the phone. Just your first name and where you're calling from, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And Mr. Kelly, before you take off. Yes, sir. How is your garden doing? It's so dry. Are you watering? I did. We watered it the other day for uh, probably 45 minutes or so, about that. And we just got a bunch of uh, pansies. And so we've kind of, we're transitioning to the pansies now. Wow, for fall. Yeah. And they, boy, the day after we planted some of them, they were all laying over going, oh, (laughs) And I watered them and they they all look really good. Yeah, they perked back up. Have you seen those little, uh, they're pepper plants. Yes. They're, what, ornamental, but you can eat them. So I don't know how that works. I thought ornamental you couldn't eat. But anyway, those are really cool. So we got one of those. This is the first year I've seen those for sale in the fall. So it adds some nice color for sure. Really. And they kind of look like Christmas lights on them. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah, the shape of them. Yeah. So, yeah. They're they're all pointing up, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's we got one of those that's really cool. So we still have a little, you know, the brightness going. It's not too bad. Yeah. Great. Still good. That sounds perfect. How about yours? Uh, not bad. Yeah. You know, I'm sort of shrinking things down. Yeah. Because I don't like to wait for frost to kind of sort of like knock stuff over or cause it to wilt. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten rid of all the cannas. And I'm starting to move some of the stuff into the garage so this, you know, the potting mix can dry. Right. And I can dump them out and get rid of the plants. And then I save potting mix. Some people say you should mm-hmm. get rid of it every year. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, we do too. We have a bunch. We have a big container of the potting mix that right. it comes in handy for sure. Absolutely. Good. So, All right. Well, have a great show. And after the oh. show today, I'm going to be, you know, getting rid of some more things. Yeah. It'll be a nice day for it. <laughs> right. That's for sure. And then later on this month, I'm going to be planting the bulbs I got from uh, Brightside St. Louis. So you can still do that? Oh, yeah. The bulbs. The, t- the daffodils and tulips, is, if you did it earlier, that would be something you shouldn't have done. Oh. So you wait until later on, October, okay. early November. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. See ya. And on a Saturday, it is Saturday morning, I think. Hmm. This week is going by so fast. It seems like I was just here. Hmm. Anyway, we get together and we have a discussion about what's going on in your backyard. What about that front yard? What about those surface roots from that tree? That side yard where those downspouts of the neighbors. Ah, if it rains again, you know it's going to be really wet over there and you're going to have to do something. Maybe. Or just let it go and forget it. You never go over there anyway. Especially garden space, a taste of the tropics, your house plants, 
I'm starting to migrate. I've got two major ones. It's the same plant, but it's actually a Caffrolole clivia that when I first moved back to St. Louis in a long time ago, I won't say how long ago, but uh, a long time ago. But anyway, my Aunt Cleo gave me a clivia bulb. Now I've got two giant pots that are so heavy I can barely move them. So they're going to start migrating to go into the basement under the grow lights. And uh, potting mixes, just like Brian and I were talking about. How to improve your soil? Should you be pruning and shearing and things like that? Is there bugs and diseases that you should be conscious of? Spider webs all over the place? Well, that's good spiders. If you can see them, then spider mites, the problematic ones, their spider webs are pretty tiny. Nothing like big things across. There's a house down the street from me that has a, a front yard that's really sloped, and they've got the Vinca Minor, the periwinkle. And there are lots of spider webs in there, but uh, it's regular spiders. So anyway, uh, make your decisions. I try to help with information, and, but it's going to be up to you. Final judgment, as I said, is yours. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. And uh, another important player, as I said before, is Alex. He produces, but he also answers the phone and puts your name up on the computer screen and all this other stuff. All I have to do is sit here and talk. But uh, I'm Mike Miller, by the way, Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you'd like for me to take a walk and talk. Go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage has my email address and phone number where I can be reached. I'll tell you, this past Wednesday, I was at uh, Maryland Hi- in Maryland Heights, and the, the people that bought this, they're really young. They're, I mean, it kind of caught me by surprise. Most of the people that I you know, do walk-and talks are not quite this young, but uh, they bought this house because they like the setting. It backs up to common ground and everything else, but it was on a severe slope, and the husband, Jared, he actually has built a terracing wall system, you know, coming up the hill. And, I mean, he engineered this whole thing himself. It's just like, are you kidding me? And he's not in this kind of business, you know, professionally. I believe he's in a culinary business. So, but he did, I mean, I was totally impressed with the whole thing. So, anyway, great house, you know, great backyard now. They're in Maryland Heights. And, uh, okay, let's get moving. St. Louis, uh, the Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Liriope muscari, which is the clump one, uh, variegata, prairie drop seed grasses. Rod iron fence encloses planting area with elm trees as street trees dominating. Some of the building's architectural outlines were highlighted with the I guess they're LED lights, but, I mean, really, somebody went to a great deal of trouble. Uh, there's a, a bed space, and it's Grand Rain Gardens, and it has southern blue flag iris, aromatic aster, which are in blooming right now, and black-eyed Susans, which have finished flowering, but the heads are still there. There's murals painted on the building and several different buildings. The sky was finally starting to brighten, even though it is so gray and cloudy. Across the street, there was a locust tree, bright yellow, little little leaves were slowly but surely dropping. Uh, mixed recycling cans were there, so you can just drop this stuff in there very easily. Crows were calling out, sparrows were gathering close by, 
And there's a comic book store in a Marvel superheroes where they are big, you know, cardboard cutout, and they were saying vote, and that's kind of nice. Also planted further down the street in pots was bananas, cannas, dracenas, palms, and boy, oh boy, looking down the, some of the other streets, the red maples are nothing but striking. Something I've never really seen before, there's a restaurant that has outdoor eating area, and uh, they have fake ivy, which is covering the fencing. So it's really kind of interesting to see. Uh, tables and chairs all along the walkway, and some are stacked and locked together so nobody steals them. Other ones, uh, they just kind of have them left them sit out. Well, where is this? Well, this is South Grand in between Humphrey and Wyoming. So this comic book store is actually a lounge as well. There's food from all the different restaurants. Now, this is just on the east side of Grand. It's on the other side, there's more stuff, too. But uh, food from around the world. It's a really busy street, but actually it is a very relaxing atmosphere. So the rain garden information, the one thing that the rain garden, there's a sign there that explains what you know the plants were that are in it. But also there's information related to the root system of native plants, how deep they go into the ground versus how deep, let's say, turf and lawn and things like that go into the ground. So it's uh, very informational. So it was just uh, it was a nice – I couldn't figure out – I never really get up or have an idea ahead of time where I'm going to go for my good gardening stroll. But uh, today I thought, well, I'll just drive until I see something that kind of catches my eye. So I headed down Grand, and that's where I did it. So, again, South Grand between Humphrey and Wyoming. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. First caller of the day is Mark. Mark, how are you today? Hello. Hi. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. I am uh, considering... The front of my house, uh, it just has some very old landscaping that I want to remove and then replant. Um, I don't want to take up a whole bunch of your time with a lot of questions, but um, and I did write down your design remark in your website, so we may want to talk about that. But my bigger question is if I'm removing things like, say, a holly tree, I'm sorry, it's more of a holly bush. Um, I've also got um, another bush. It's kind of a maroon color, and if you cut it open, it's full of thorns. If you cut it open, it's got a very yellow-looking wood. So I'm not sure what that is, but I'm trying to get rid of this and prepare for new landscaping. What would you recommend I do? Basically, I don't know how big these things are, but uh, get as much of the root system as you can possibly do and, you know, get rid of everything that you need to. Then get some topsoil compost mix, bring it in, put a couple inches on the surface and mix it in with the existing soil. Put some mulch for the wintertime and then just let it sit. And then in the springtime, just, you know, early in the spring, start watching and get the weeds under control before you do any new planting. Okay, so plant in the spring. Right. Um, I mean, you could plant this point? late. You could plant this late, but it's 
you're taking a little bit of a chance, and the availability of the plant material is going to get more and more limited as time goes on. That makes sense. So I'm interested in uh, two, uh, I wouldn't call them bushes, the the spear-shaped trees or kind of like a cypress, um, an Italian cypress or something like that. What would you recommend for this climate? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Are you looking at evergreens? I don't know. Well, yes, uh, they they probably would be an evergreen, but I'm more interested in the shape and then buying something that's going to flourish in this environment. Well, I mean, the arborvitae, the Techni arborvitae is an upright and sort of cone-shaped, if you want to take a look at that. Okay. Well, I'm looking for the more straight up and down, kind of like a cypress. Am I talking about the right thing? Well, I don't know. So I'm okay. kind of confused. Okay, never mind. Thank you for your help. Sure, thanks. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, finding the plant material, uh, you can look online, that's great, but until you get to the nurseries and see what they actually have, that's going to be a different story. Okay, now let's head over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a couple of questions. I've got um, mop heads, hollies, and other evergreens, and I'm wondering, is now a good time to trim them? Uh, any time, you know, going into wintertime, I just don't like to prune, to be honest okay. with you. And it's the spring flowering things, you cut off the flowers for the next year. And the other things, you know, you cut things off. They've managed to sort of make it through this crazy weather circumstance. And if we have a harsh weather circumstance really quickly or even later on, it could, you know, cause some damage. So I'd wait to do the pruning until we come out of wintertime. Uh, so sometime around mid-February. Joe, not there anymore? And replant tall, that long grass, um, that I have a couple of those that have gotten out of hand. You, you want to dig them up or replant them or move them? I don't know. I uh, well, I want to divide it and then replant the divided, removed part somewhere else to get uh, it started. Yeah, that's going to be another springtime thing. Don't do it going into wintertime. If you dig up the ornamental grasses this time of year, and try to replant them, the chances of them surviving and get a root system established is going to be minimal at best. Gotcha. Okay, lastly um, is arborvitaes. Can you top those uh, columnar trees? You really should. When they get to, okay. Because if you do that, then the top of them is going to turn brown. Gotcha. And is it normal for them to have three leaders, like three main uh, branches that are kind of all reaching for the sky? Yeah. Basically, that's kind of... They have multiple trunks, let's put it that way. Okay, well, that's very helpful. And just leave them, let them go naturally. Will they stop growing eventually? (laughs) Sure. Going up, I mean. (laughs) Well, I mean, it depends upon the variety. Like that green giant one, which is a relatively new one, it can get 25 or 20-plus feet. The other ones are about 8 to 10 to 12 feet. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you. Sure. And now let's head over to Jill's yard. Hi, Jill. Hello. Hi. I, I have a maple and an ash tree that are planted about 18 feet apart, but the branches of the ash tree are growing into the maple tree. Is that okay, or should they be pruned? Uh, if you prune them, then you're just going to end up with a blank space. So just happens that the ash tree is a little bit more aggressive. Usually it's going to be the maple tree that's a little bit more aggressive. If they're growing in towards each other, that's just how it goes. Okay, so that's not going to damage anything. No. I mean, ultimately, the interior branches of each tree, in other words, the ones that are headed towards the other tree, 
are going to probably lose their ability to produce any kind of foliage because they're not going to get any sun because they're being shaded by the tree above, the tree on each side, and everything else. So, But uh, you're not going to notice any difference with the overall picture because of just the way the trees are going to grow. Okay. Okay, and then my other problem is I have a southern magnolia that's planted six feet from the house. Whoa. Yeah, I know that's too close. Can those roots pose a problem to the foundation, or what do you suggest? Well, six feet is down. Kind of, I mean, if this is a, you're talking about the evergreen magnolia, right? Yes. I mean, those things get huge. Now, luckily, magnolias have a fairly friendly root system, so it's really probably not going to cause that much problem. But, you know, as far as squirrels climbing and getting on your roof and all that other stuff, that's where some of the problem is going to go beyond just the root system. I see. Okay, so would you suggest I should cut it down? Yeah, I would have it. Six feet, is that's just crazy. So that's a little bit close because those things can get 30 feet high. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Uh Bye. And now let's go to Bill, and he lives in Glen Carbon. Hi, Bill. Good morning. Hi. I have a question. I have uh, two Bradford pears that are probably 20 to 25 years old. The trunk bases are probably 18 to 20 inches round. Mm -hmm. And every third year or so, I've been having these trees cut back to what I call the knuckle. And... They come back like wildfire, and the reason I do that is to keep the ice off them so they don't break and big limbs fall off them. Right. Is this a good time of year again to do that again? Well, it all depends. Uh, it's you know, do you like the spring flowering that they have? If you don't care that, about the that's flowering, not a, that's not important to me really. It's okay. just these are a big part of the landscape of the back patio. Right. And every time I go to do this with my tree guy, he said, "Boy, you know, they're getting pretty old. I hope that that doesn't hurt them." <laughs> and I said, "Well, we've done this every third year, and they they grow like gangbusters after you cut them back." So I don't know. Uh, I was looking for your opinion. Well, I mean, it's not ideal to do it, but uh, if you've been happy with the way it has been and you've had this many years of sort of aesthetic value from them, if you did prune them and it did sort of lead to their decline, then that's just, I mean, you've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of the time that you have done this. So I would say... Oh, we have. They're beautiful trees. They're the uprights. I think there's two types. There's the blooming type and the uprights. And and this one, these two go straight up, basically, as well. Right, yeah. The, so uh, I would say go ahead and do it, but I would wait until the foliage starts falling off. Well, it's already started that uh, inside because of the lack of sunshine, right. and they're all falling off. So, okay, well, I appreciate your opinion. Sure, thank you. You bet. And thanks for having me on your show. Let's, ho- let's head over to Kent's yard. Hi, Kent. Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? Very good. Hey, I come from... Uh, Beautiful, rural St. Genevieve County. I have, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but I have found some catawba trees, Mm -hmm. and I have a few seed pods from these trees. Right. How do I plant them, sir? Uh, Basically, the seed, you can grow them from seed, but it's going to take a long, long, long time. They're in the pea family, so just open up the pods. I would say... Sometime in the next couple of weeks, just get, you know, put them in pots with a potting mix for starting plants and just put the seeds about three inches or so below the surface 
and then put, you know, potting mix on top of that, dig a hole, drop the pots into a hole, and uh, just kind of go from there. I can do that. I'm almost halfway there then. All right. One other question, sir. Where do I purchase a ginkgo tree at? Uh, I don't know exactly where. Most you know garden centers should have them. Big box stores probably won't, but year-round garden centers should have them. Ma'am, yeah. I've been having, um, well, I've been running into a brick wall. I haven't found them anywhere. Really? Yeah, I can get a mail order, but I never have any luck on those bare-rooted mail order trees. Yeah, I would say just keep, you know, go online and just check out some of the garden centers. I don't know what... You know what part of town you live in, or anything, but uh, I live uh, twenty-five miles from everywhere. <laughs> That's why you can't find. No, but I will tell you, ginkgos are great. They're wonderful, nice fall color, and everything else. Just make sure you get a male ginkgo tree, not a female. A female will produce fruit that stinks like heaven. Ooh, I don't want that. Yeah. How do I tell? Uh, just wherever you buy it, just make sure that they'll guarantee it's a male and not a female. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Hey, have a wonderful weekend. Get out uh, of that studio and enjoy this day. Absolutely. I will do that. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. We're going to go into Clayton and talk with Liz. Hi, Liz. Good morning, Mike. Thanks so much for being the MC of our show. Well, you thank do a you. Great job. I am calling about ornamental pepper plants. I received one as a gift, and it's darling and cute. And I have cats, and I don't know if they're if they're poisonous to cats. Can we eat them? How do I take care of it? <laughs> I need everything, please, Mike. Yeah, you can eat them. I don't know. I mean, they're pretty small, so they're not going to have much, you know, much impact as a result of that. Uh, the cats are not going to bother them. They could care less about something like that. Uh, so just enjoy them, and uh, hopefully they'll make it through the entire wintertime. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe even keep going in the spring. Generally, are they th- indoor or outdoor? No, no, no. They, these are probably ones that uh, if you put them outdoors, just like the you know the peppers generally – are going to be ones that uh, can't take the cold weather. Cold weather, so they're going okay. to have to stay inside in a very, very sunny window. Sunny, okay. And um, don't overwater. So are... Don't overwater, and don't you know okay. fertilize minimally because the growing the the length of the days means the growing times is going to be reduced. So putting a lot of fertilizer or some fertilizer is not going to make them any healthier. There's probably plenty of fertilizer in the potting mix right now. Now, if they make it through, you know, the fall into the wintertime and then we get into, let's say, late winter, early spring, you can start fertilizing at that time. Okay, late winter, early spring. Okay, early spring. I've got to write this down. I have the brain of uh, – I have uh, – Carbon dioxide brain from the masks. Um, so, um, how long, you know, just given anybody's basic skills, not somebody like you, how long would you expect this plant might last? Uh, two months. Great. Thank you. I won't feel guilty. And, <laughs> and it just needs plenty of sunshine and not to be out when it starts right. getting and cold. Right. And don't overwater. So wait until the potting mix shrinks away from the inside of the pot, then water it at that time, and then don't water it again until 
that starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot. I do that with all of my plants, which Great. include uh, Christmas cactus. So wow. it works really well. Perfect. So, thank you very much for your help and have a good rest of your day, Mike. You do the very same thing. And let's go from Clayton out to Spanish Lake and into Rich's yard. Hi, Rich. Good morning, Mike. Hi. It's that time of the year. Canes and ears are coming out of my containers. <laughs> and I have used this trick before, and it works very good to keep from damaging your containers. I've destroyed some containers trying to get these things back out. Right. I take a, I take a large hedge trimmer and lop off the top growth. Okay. Then I slide the hedge trimmer in next to between the mud and the edge of the container. Open the hedge trimmer. Continue doing this all around your container. Tap it on the ground. Top out. It just comes out in one big clump. Great. Take the hedge trimmer, lop off all the roots, dump that stuff back in your container, and it just makes it so much easier, and you don't destroy any containers. That sounds perfect. Yeah, you have to be very cautious about, you know, doing that very same thing. Another thing, on my ears, every once in a while, I have a stem come up, and I believe it's going to open up into a leaf, but it doesn't. A, a, a pod is on the end of the stem. Is that a flower pot, a seed pot, exactly yeah, what is that? that is, that's actually the flower. So there should it be like a, a kind pot. of okay. So you're you're I, lucky. You've had them for a long time because they have to have some age to them before they're going to do any flowering. I'll be darned. I wondered what I was doing there and didn't know what to do with it botanically. <laughs> and now I know. You're, right, you're my you're my ear guy. <laughs> Love the elephant ears. Okay, Mike. Thanks a lot. Sure. And let's see. Where should we go now? Let's go over to Richard's yard. Hi, Richard. Good morning. I've got a row of cannon bulbs I put in the south side of my deck, which is on the south side of my house every year. And I plant each as a hill, like every 18 inches apart. Mm-hmm. And my wife says, yeah, you're, you're working too hard, putting those in the dark every winter and all that stuff. Just chop them down, let it come up natural like spring. So, well, I thought I'd ask you, uh, I don't have any problems with what I'm doing, but it's just chopping them down, let them come back on their own, or what do you think? Well, I mean, it's going to depend upon the weather. There are plenty, and it depends upon the exposure and things like that, but plenty of people leave the cannas in the ground, you know, and they put a three or four inches of mulch over the top of them after they cut them down, and they come back vibrantly the following year. But if yeah. we have a severe year, it may, you know, and the ground freezes deeper, then because you know the can, when you dig the cannas up, they're not really that deep into the ground as far as the actual tuber or slash oh. root where the stems come up. Uh, yeah. They could be damaged. But we've had some mild winters the last several years, so you may be fine. Okay. Just try it and see. Yeah. Okay. Thanks much. Sure. And if you want to be experimental, just dig up a few of them so you have, you know, the next generation for next uh, year, and then, you know, just leave the rest of them out. Sure. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And now let's head over to Derek's yard. Hi, Derek. Hi, Mike. Thanks for your show. Sure. Um, the question I have for you is that uh, my lawn service, you know, they pre-treat for crabgrass, and later in the year I get a bunch anyway, they go and kill that off, end up with a bunch of big brown spots, and then they want to chlorinate and reseed. 
that never seems to work very well, especially right now. Everything's so darn dry. Should I do that again, or should I, uh, you know, get the mulch out, or what should I do? Yeah, you could. I mean, it's getting a little bit late for you know for seeding. Because, again, we don't know what the weather is going to be like. It's been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, ground temperature is what triggers the seed germination. So the ground is still fairly warm because of the temperatures. But if, let's say, the seed germinates and doesn't really get a root system well established and we get a really severe cold snap, then it's all dead. So that's kind of why you want to do overseeding more around, let's say, Labor Day than now. If you want to, just go out in those brown spots, go ahead and rake them, and just throw some grass seed out there and just kind of see what happens. All right. Should I use the uh, seed that's got the uh, impregnated, uh, um, I'll tell all that fluffy stuff in the bag, too, or just use regular seed? I would just use regular seed because it's going to be cheaper, and, you know, you the success is going to be somewhat minimal, but this will give you, you can just always sit back and say, well, I seeded those spots. It's not my fault, or it is my fault that it looks good or it doesn't look good or whatever it happens to be. All righty. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's head over to Andrew's yard. Hi, Andrew. Uh, hey, Mike. Uh, I had a question about a cedar tree that decided to come up in my landscaping. Um, would I be able to dig that up and keep it in a pot over wintertime? Yes. I actually okay. dig, you know, birds eat the blueberries. They come and sit on power lines and stuff, go to the bathroom. I get little cedar trees coming up all over the place. I just I dig them up and put them in window boxes and then put those in our windows. Okay, thanks. So that's all I was wondering about. Yeah. So just uh, hopefully it's not too big, and uh, just make sure you got a well-drained soil and uh, sink the pot into the, you know, into the ground for the wintertime in a bed space, and that's the best thing you can do. Okay, cool. It's, it's only about a foot and a half tall. Oh, the, you should be fine then. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. You know, and then they'll grow in the window boxes for a couple years, and then finally I think, uh, you know, I'll get rid of these and uh, then uh, wait for a year or two and then get us, you know, have some more. So, anyway, enjoy it. Now let's go to Frank's yard. Hi, Frank. Hi, Mike. Hi. Mike, last week a gentleman called, and you recommended clover for a troubled spot in his yard. Is clover uh, tolerant to shade? Uh, it all depends on how deep the shade is, but it's pretty tough. I mean, it's not going to be as thick and dense as it is in the sun, but uh, you could give it a try. Okay. And, Mike, what type of uh, clover would you recommend for this area? I say Dutch white clover. It's gonna, That's the lowest one. It stays the same, pretty much the same height. If you get the owl's clover, it's got a, you know, more colorful flower and everything else, but it gets, you know, it gets taller. So I say Dutch white clover. And make sure it's inoculated because basically the clover family needs to have an inoculation to the seed to, you know, to cause it to germinate. Okay, sounds good. One more quick question, Mike. I reseeded my yard and came up real well, and it's doing very well. Should I keep watering yet? Yes. 
Okay. Because nothing it. nothing is worse than for plant material, especially this is basically seed that's not even a full year old, uh, is a gr- dry ground going into wintertime. Okay. Mike, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head out to Wentzville and go into Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Hi. Uh, I got a question about pruning seal. I just had some trees trimmed. And in the past, I've always uh, sprayed some of that commercial pruning seal on the uh, what's left next, right next to the tree. What's your thoughts on that, and why? Uh, basically, pruning sealer anymore doesn't do anything. It's strictly cosmetic. It's like makeup. Days of old, the pruning sealer had lead in it, and that was an antibacterial type thing. So that prevented any kind of problems, you know, related to an open wound from the pruning. But now it's just like I said, strictly color. That's all it is. Okay, thank you. Yep, so you can do it if you want, but you don't have to. And now let's go to Gene from Murfreesboro. Gene, could you do it kind of quick? Good morning, Mike. Hi. I, I congratulate the lady calling you a good MC. <laughs> she is she is 100% on key. <laughs> You're a great MC. <laughs> you have, uh, you've helped me get through the summer with my first plantings of caladiums. They've been beautiful. Absolutely stunning, but all of a sudden they've got the droops. Right. Is that normal? Yes. It's because the days are getting shorter, and even though it's not you know cold or anything else, it's the end of their growing season, and they know it because of the length of the daylight. Okay, so it's time. It's time to start digging up the bulbs. Exactly. Dig them up. Uh, let them dry for several days, and uh, then shake the soil off of them. You know, when you dig them up, cut the, you know, cut the leaves off of them and then uh, put them in a paper bag for the wintertime in, in a garage. Or if you have kind of a, a, a space in your basement, that would work as well and probably better. Thank you very much, sir. Sure, my Enjoy pleasure. our show. Well, thank Bye-bye. you. And uh, I'm probably not going to be able to get to Ann, so sorry, Ann. It's, we're just getting a little bit close. But, yeah, all the summer bulbs— they're all going to start, you know, the, the the cannas don't droop, but the elephant ears, anything that have big leaves, they're starting to droop more and more and more. There's still some that are upright. They're fine. You can keep watering them and keep them out there. There's things, you know, there's people that say, oh, just leave them out until, uh, you know, the frost kind of nips them. To me, I like to stay ahead of the game. So I've already gotten all my cannas out of the pots and everything else. And uh, the elephant ears are going to start coming out. And it's just I like to get them cleaned up. The gentleman that was talking about how to get them out of the pots, what I do is I just basically cut the above-ground growth in the pots off. Then I tip the pot on the side, and I tip it up a little bit and then just kind of work it out until I can get it. And I have a plastic bag on the ground too. So when the potting mix hits the ground, Uh, It's not going to be in the ground. It's going to be very easy to clean up. And then after I get all the summer bulbs out, then I wait till later on this month, and that's when I put in my the bulbs, the tulips and daffodils that I got from uh, Brightside St. Louis. So this year I got Brightside Red, which is one of my favorite tulips, and then also uh, the Carlton daffodils. That's one of my favorites. I don't like the mixes that much. I like kind of solid, you know, solid colors. But anyway. 314-436-7900 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I will see you after the news.
KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour. We'll be giving it shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And depending upon how fast you are, we've got a lot of phone lines open. You could be on top of the list almost Except Joanne's really first. Anyway, call in with your ideas, questions, concerns, and comments. And Mr. Kelly, you yes. live in a rural and mm-hmm. garden in a rural area, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. You, do you have deer problems? No, uh, there are deer around, but we've had really no problems up at our house with deer. They haven't come in our yard much, our back pasture. Wow. I know. I don't know why, but like you drive down the street and there, I saw one this morning. Really? On the way, yeah. That's kind of incredible. Yeah. We have more raccoons and possum and and, and then squirrels even. We haven't seen the squirrels too much in a while. They get on the bird feeders a lot, of course. Uh, Cats Mm. around the bird feeders don't like that. (laughs) Nope. I was just curious because I was real surprised. Most people, even if they live closer in, that has kind of open spaces and common grounds close by, they have major deer problems. The house I was at this past Wednesday in Maryland Heights, they have deer every day cutting across their yard. Yeah. It's amazing. A lot of people do have problems, but right. for some reason they stay away from our house. Is it the peacock? I don't think so. Oh, I thought no. maybe deer were afraid of peacocks. Well, they could be. <laughs> they could be. I don't know. Because I, I really, I've often wondered that. But yeah. no, we haven't had a, that, that problem. Well, I'm glad you don't have Well, thank you. Problem. Do you in the city? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> thanks, Brian. You bet. Thank you. And folks, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, ups and downs, and all arounds. Brian said in the first hour that they'd gotten some pansies and ornamental peppers. So they're really adding some colorful pizzazz here late in the growing season. Um, how about your bulbs? Your summer bulbs should be coming out of the ground real soon. And then uh, another couple of weeks, then your spring flowering bulbs will be going in the ground. Your edibles, your ground cover. Speaking of edibles, there's a, a guy that lives down the, actually on the other side of the street down the alley. And he brought, he said, I was sitting out in the yard and he said, let me show you something. So he brought some, some potatoes. Uh, that they had grown, and they were like the size of maybe a big marble. And he said, uh, we've been growing these for two months, and this is as big as they are. Well, I I sort of play dumb sometimes with them just to play games. But to grow potatoes, you have to put them in the ground. Basically, the seed potatoes go to the garden centers in late February, let's say almost late January, early February. You plant them then. Then you wait six months while they're growing, and you do a few other things to get potatoes to become regular-sized potatoes. But I'm going to give him that insight uh, next time I see him. But anyway, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offer for you to consider. Alex is producing, answering the phone, so first name and where you're calling from. Not what you're calling about. He doesn't care if your cucumbers didn't do so well. <laughs> anyway, during the week, I do landscape consulting, and I can come to your home and do a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, and that's where my phone number and email address is. You can contact me. And I um, got kind of booked up until almost, uh, well, I sent an email. Somebody contacted me about uh, having me come out to their home. I'm sort of getting into early November right now because 
I got to, you know, I have to I cluster appointments and everything else. And uh, it's, I feel like a dog. Anyway, tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to everybody that's that has done some phenomenal things with this Halloween decorations. I mean, normally I don't know if it's just this year or if I just haven't been conscious, but there's some people that have some fantastic things out there, and it's really super entertaining. I'm going to start doing a little bit of the stuff outside uh, myself, but uh, we don't have any big inflatable things. But I tell you, the thing that has impressed me the most has been this Tyrannosaurus Rex. He's probably like 12 or 14 feet high, and he's standing there. And he's holding a pumpkin. And I thought, this is really cool. I mean, the dragon wings and all that other stuff, but uh, this Tyrannosaurus Rex has been the most impressive thing that I have seen so far. So everybody that's put out the decorations, and for people that are going to haven't put them out yet but will put them out, it's really super entertaining, even when you walk during the day. And a lot of times where they're deflated and laying on the ground, you try to guess, let's say, wonder what that is. And then you go back later on at night, you drive by or something, and uh, you kind of see what it is. And you, oh, I was way off on that one. So it's just strictly entertainment. So let's go now to Joanne's yard. And Joanne, how are you? Hello, Joanne. Hey, jo- hey, Mike. Hi. I add uh, groundhogs to that list of <laughs> critters. Well, that's true. Um, You've probably already addressed this, but is it too early to plant daffodil bulbs? Yeah, it's too early. Wait until the ground gets cooler. So, uh, Great. you Great. know, basically any time from, let's say, Halloween all the way up until 1st of December, plant them during that time period. All right. Thank you. Yep. And now let's head over to Monica. She lives in Clinton County, Illinois. Hi, Monica. Yes. Uh, I'm calling about a bulb that I've seen in Mrs. Uh, no, in Virginia this weekend. Uh, it's called a naked lady. Right. Uh, is that uh, something that we can grow here? Yes, easily. Okay. Now, where can I get a bulb? Uh, this time of year, you're not going to be able to find them. Okay. I don't think. I mean, you could try. Do you have a pencil? Yes, I do. Okay. The botanical name of that is Lycoris. L-Y-C-O-R-I-S. O-R-I-S. Right. And what what happens is in like May, the leaves will come up and you'll, and then the leaves will die. And then in August, then the flower stalk will come shooting up. Well, it's something like the um, magic, uh, what do they call that? Surprise lily. Right. Basically. Okay. I have those, but I have never seen this one. Really? Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And, mm-hmm. and speaking Bye. of bulbs, uh, right now, we live right across the street from Christie Park. And so I don't know who planted them. I'm sure they weren't planted by birds or anything. But we're seeing some fall-blooming crocus. So that's they're kind of nice. They're pale blue. And uh, there's probably like 15 or so, 20 along the street. So somebody took, you know, spent the money, went over there and planted them. And it's kind of nice to see crocus blooming in the fall as opposed to the summertime i mean summer spring crocus but uh so there's plenty of things that can be done that can create a surprise 
just like the surprise lily, like chorus or lots of other things as well. Again, your spring flowering bulbs, it's a little bit too early to be planting them, whether, in the, whether you're planting in the ground or in pots. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Lots of phone lines open. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Out in your yard, bed spaces, lawn, and everything else, your annual cool season weeds are really starting to make some prominence. I'm seeing henbit in multiple different locations. And uh, the henbit, dead nettle, which they're cousins of each other, and uh, the chickweed, annual bluegrass, the prickly lettuce, the speedwell, I'm seeing speedwell too. So I don't use a lot of herbicides in my yard because I want to have the stuff that would just normally come up so I can kind of keep track of it myself in my yard. Sometimes it's, and I do hand dig, I will say that, but I don't use you know herbicides, pre-emergence or anything else. And, uh, you know, I do use uh, some, let's say, Roundup when I'm killing off uh, weeds that are growing in cracks in the sidewalk or in the street or something. I actually even go into the alley, too. I go out there and spray them there. But uh, in my bed spaces or anything else, I just let whatever happens, happens, and then I kind of keep track of it that way. But the annual cool season weeds, which germinated last August, mid to late August, you know, are really starting to get big enough that you can actually see them. So anyway, let's head over to Dee's yard. Dee, how are you today? I'm fine, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have a question about some yucca plants. Um, about four years ago, I planted one in a pot, and it's been sitting by my driveway. And last year, it died. And then this year, I have about 10 little plants that have come up in this pot and they're pretty well cramped and I was wondering can I transplant them into the ground or other pots or and when would be the best time to do that well yucca is so tough you could actually do it now if you wanted to but I would get it done before you know I mean get it done as soon as you possibly can or okay, you can do uh, it. if I don't make it, can I do it next spring or yeah, will oh, that absolutely. be too long? Right. No, 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 no. They're fine. I mean, they're tough. They're durable. And uh, can, how big is a pot? Is it big? It's pretty small. It only had one plant in it. I guess it's maybe 15 to 20 inches across. Well, the reason why I'm asking is just to kind of... If you can, lift the pot up and see if, you know, the root system of the yucca has pushed down through the drainage hole of your pot. Oh, no, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. I know that. I looked at that. Okay, great. So, yeah, I mean, you could wait. You could leave them in the pot as long as you want. They could, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're so tough and durable, they could care less. With all of that many in there, yeah. it it won't, you know, cramp them or get root-bound or anything? Well, I mean, they will, but, uh, you know... That's just kind of the way it goes. Yes. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with all of them. <laughs> well, I mean, just watch out. When you put them in the ground, you're going to start getting more and more suckers as well. Ah, okay. Well, great. Thank you so much for your advice. Well, my pleasure. And Have uh, a nice day. You do the very same thing. Let's head over to Jack's yard. Hi, Jack. Hello. How are you? Good. Um, I have knockout rose bushes, hydrangea plants, and yucca plants. When can I begin to trim them way back for the winter? 
Uh, don't you're probably better off not to prune them way back. I mean, yuccas you don't prune at all. They're evergreen. Just oh. leave leave them alone. The hydrangeas just cut the spent flowers off, and the roses wait until you start to see the rose hips. And once let the rose hips form, that will tell the rose it's time to go dormant. So you don't do any pruning right now whatsoever. What's a, what's a rose hip? Uh, it's going to be a little round ball where the flower was. Oh, I see. I and gotcha. so that's, I mean, they make rose hip jellies and things like that out of those rose hips. But what that does is just oh. tell, tell the rose, you know, it's time to go to sleep. And they, you know, they form, <laughs> they form the rose hip. Uh, at the end of the growing season. So what time of the season will that be? Probably another, my guess would be, it's, you know, it's all weather dependent, but uh, probably early November. Oh, okay, a couple of weeks then. Yeah. All right, thank you so much. Yep, and you can prune them then if you want, or you can wait till springtime uh, before the new growth begins sometime in February and prune them back at that time. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And the hydrangeas, so many people want to prune hydrangeas, I can't believe it. Uh, just cut off the spin flowers of the hydrangeas, just let them go, and uh, you'll have a lot less problems. Let's head over to Marsha's. Hi, Marsha. Hi, Mike. Uh, I've been growing uh, hardy bananas for a few years, and normally I cover them up with insulation, wrap chicken wire around them, fill them up with leaves. Is there an easier way to do this? I have so many of them now, it's really getting difficult <laughs> uh basically no i mean it, you have to do that even though in theory they're hardy they still need some extra protection and that's why you're putting the fence around it and filling the you know the fence up with a mulch and leaves or whatever you're doing for an insulation there's not too much else you can do other than just you know deciding put the fence around part of them and let the other ones go and see if they're going to survive without doing the extra fencing slash, you know, mulch on top of them. Do you think it's necessary that I wrap the insulation around them before I put the um, the leaves in there? Uh, I just, I would cut them off. I don't think the insulation or insulator or whatever you're using is necessary. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'd cut them off. Let them, you know, let it, because they're going to ooze a lot of sap and everything else. And just, uh, you know, let it dry a little bit before you put uh, the you can put the fence around it, but don't put any mulch until the the area that you cut is not is no longer sticky or wet or whatever. Okay, yeah, I was wondering about that because it does uh, drip a lot of liquid. You aren't kidding, <laughs> and the liquid okay, will well, stain. Thank you. Yeah, the liquid will liquid <laughs> will stain your clothes like unbelievable. I know that. I found that out a few years ago when I thought I had blood all over my shirt after I washed it. It's like, what the heck happened? And it was, it's a white liquid, but it comes out red on your clothes. Right, exactly. <laughs> and this year I actually got bananas on it. Oh, you're kidding. No, wow. I actually did. They're about three inches long. Oh, you're And ki- I've heard that if uh, it produces bananas, that that trunk is no longer, it will die. Yeah, exactly. Proof? Yes, it is. Okay. I mean, that's not only with the hardy ones, that's with the tropical ones as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. Yeah. You have a great day. You do the very same thing. Yeah, bananas are kind of interesting. They're colonizers, so they'll send out sucker growth at the base. And let's go now to Oakville, and that's where Karen lives. Hi, Karen. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Very good. 
Good. <clears throat> I know you were talking about deer earlier. Um, me and my husband moved to a home in Oakville last year that backs up to common ground. Mm. And I'm having so many problems with deer. I'm a big plant girl that likes, you know, hibiscus, Mexican petunias, and pots, and they're just eating them down to the to the base. Can you recommend any that I can plant for next year that they won't bother or anything I can do? Well, if they're desperate, they're going to go after anything. But annual-wise, here's, mm-hmm. some, here's some annuals that uh, the deer generally don't like. Marigolds. Okay. Lantana. Okay. Snapdragons. Mm-hmm. Cleome. Globe amaranth. Those are pretty much... The deer will stay away from those particular things. Okay. And then do you want a couple perennials? Yes, please. Uh, I mean, milkweed they don't like. Mm-hmm. So, And columbine, primrose, penstemon, purple coneflower, and they don't really, if you've got shaded areas, they don't like any of the varieties for, or most of the varieties of ferns. Okay. So no more of my good tropicals that I've always liked. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay. They're too tasty. Yes, they must be. (laughs) Okay. Well, I appreciate uh, the information. You have a great day. Sure. Thank you. Bye-bye. And let's go now to Sandra's. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Mike. Um, What I want to know is I have some trees in my yard that are probably 10, 12 years old, and I've been deep, deep root watering them. Is that okay? Oh, uh, you can. I mean, you can, you know, I don't know how, what do you have, something that you drive into the ground that's, that's yeah, hooked to a, a hose? Yeah, it's a deep root feeder. Yeah. Yes, and I turn a hose on and, and I probably water them any, probably close to an hour on some of them. And I only, just don't want to lose them. Yeah. Huh? Basically, uh, are you, you're not pushing it, you're not doing this close to the trunk because it won't do any good. The feeder roots are basically where the, you know, nutrients and water is absorbed is kind of out as far as the branches reach. So that's where you should be watering sort of a perimeter, you know, a circle at that that distance from the trunk. Oh, well, see, I, I did it wrong. I put it by the trunk. So yeah, by the trunk, that. that's not doing anything. What What about, I've also got some pine trees that are dropping, need, dropping their needles. Right. Is that normal? Yes. This time of year, all kinds of pines are dropping all kinds of needles. I've got a mugo pine okay. right outside our kitchen window, and it is unbelievable the amount of, you know, needles that it's dropping. Interior needles, if it was in the branches, it would be, you know, somewhat of a concern. But interior needles, that just shows you how many needles were pushed out on the candle that particular year, however many X years ago, whenever those were growing. And it doesn't hurt the water pines, does it? No. Okay. And also, I want to know about, is it too late to plant a hardy mum? Uh, the hardy mums, if you're, if you're buying them in pots and they're blooming, it's not going to be necessarily hardy. They probably won't survive the wintertime. But no, you could put them in the ground and just kind of see what happens. Okay, they're just starting to bloom. And they, they said they were hardy, which I believe, because they were kind of pricey. Right. So... But, uh, I mean, the, the hardy mum is, all mums are hardy. But to put them in the ground and expect them to get the root system established and survive our winter time, if it's, a, you know, it's kind of a tough winter, that's going to be real iffy. 
So, and yes, they are the hardy, but that doesn't necessarily mean they can get the root system established enough to make it through winter. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. Sure. I appreciate it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Kyle's yard. Hi, Kyle. Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks. Hi. Um, I have a strip of ground between my shed and my cedar fence. It's about 20 feet by 4 feet wide, and it gets virtually no sunlight. What could I? What kind of ground cover could I plant there? That'll be. I want it to be low profile so that I could just go over with my lawnmower when I'm cutting the rest of the lawn. Is there something that I could do with that? Uh, yeah. I mean, vinca minor, which is periwinkle, flowers blue in the springtime. That's an evergreen one that stays pretty darn low. And when could I? When's the best time to plant that? Well, it's a little bit, you know, probably availability this time of year. It's not going to be available, so you're going to have to wait till spring. And if I want the fullest, uh, you know, to get full as quick as possible, how far apart should I plant those? Well, probably I wouldn't put them any closer than maybe like three to four inches. That should infill within one year. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Yep. And so you're going to buy them in flats of 36 and just make sure you prepare the ground first because it's got to, you know, I mean, that's really important. Add organic matter to it. That's really crucial as far as survivability and overall health. Okay. So when I, if I run a small tiller to get my garden ready, just maybe till it and, and throw a bunch of compost in there. Exactly. And then work okay. the compost in. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. And let's, from Kyle's, let's go over to Ken's yard. Hi, Ken. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Good. Great show. Hey, I've got a wisteria tree bush I planted about 7, 10 years ago, and it bloomed great the first two years. And then it kind of quit blooming, and it kind of uh, grew up my redbud tree, and it's been going all over the place, and it's got runners running all over the place. It's still alive, but it's, I think it had one flower on it this year, and that was it. So I don't know if I need to cut all the runners off or the bush off of the – I did cut the bush off of the uh, redbud tree, but I don't know what else to do. That's – I mean, it's uh, – how much sun is it getting? Well, that was another thing, too. Some trees grew around it, so I cut the trees away from it this year. So okay. we'll see what happens. Because in the shade, it's uh, – flowering ability is going to be minimal. Because, I mean, the wisteria love to be like growing up a, a gazebo or something and just right. be out in the full sun all day long every day. So, But if it's that young, it should still be flowering. Sometimes they get to the point where they get too, you know, they get old and they're no longer able to. But what's the diameter of the trunk of the main plant? Uh, I would say it's about three, four inches. Yeah, it should, it should still be viable at that size. So my guess is it's it was just the fact that it was in too much shade. Okay, now what about the runners? It's like shooting runners all over the like the surface of the ground, and yeah. then they're sprouting up other trees. Can that be cut back or not? Yeah, just cut those back. Okay. Yeah, get all rid right. of them. Very good. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah wisteria is pretty wild, and but it's yeah. it's really kind of neat when you get those blue flowers dangling oh, like yeah. grapes. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it looks like grapes, and there's like 
50 or 100 of them on there. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Thanks right. for the show. Great, great show. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Now let's head over to Bruce's yard. Hi, Bruce. Thanks, uh, Mike. I appreciate your uh, show. I've got a uh, heavily shaded yard, and I uh, aerated and slit seeded a couple of weeks ago. I've been watering every day. Um, I'm getting some sprouts. Uh, my question is, though, I, I've got a um, a lot of leaves on everything now. Right. Am I okay blowing those leaves off, or should I leave those leaves there and keep watering, or well, you, you don't have need a recommendation? To, yeah, you don't need to be watering every day. Okay. So when did you put the seed down? Two weeks ago. Okay, so you probably, if you've been watering every day for two weeks, then you should be okay. Then just water enough so you can get about an inch of water on the ground about every seven to ten days after this point. And, yeah, you can get rid of the leaves. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, yeah, don't let them just pile up over the newly germinated seed because it could suffocate them, cause fungus problems, and all kinds of other things. Okay. I didn't know if, if blowing the leaves off. If some of the seeds haven't germinated yet. Right. Um, I guess I just hit or miss whether they blow away with the leaves or not. Exactly. Okay. And I, I heard something else. Um, a guy told me he had just done the same thing in his yard about a year ago. He never had any issues with armadillos, <laughs> but but now the armadillos are in his yard digging it up. No, just by chance the armadillos happen to be in the neighborhood, so it has nothing to do with that. Armadillos really they rut looking for insects, so that's what they're doing. So that's just kind of a a quirky thing that just happened to happen. But uh, just realize, too, that in a deeply shaded yard, regardless of what you do, how well you take care of it and everything else, it's never going to really all be, be all that greatly aesthetically successful. Okay. But just blow the leaves and, and don't water as much. Right. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And Bye. let's head over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Um, my question is about my lawn. It looks terrible this year. There's, like, brown or rust-colored patches all over, and at first I thought that maybe it was grubs, but then we noticed when we cut the grass or we water, these black things that look like little crickets are hopping out all over. And I did some research, and they said that they were most likely mole crickets that can destroy your lawn. So my question is, how do I get rid? Are they the ones that are doing this damage? Well, they could be. How do I be. get rid of them? Yeah, it could. Now, what kind of lawn do you have? you have fescues or bluegrass or zoysia? Well, we have a little, probably of both. Ah. We have some zoysia and, um, and the bluegrass. Yeah, so, I mean, you could have the mole crickets. They could do the damage. There's also something called cinch bugs, C-I-N-C-H. They do damage to zoysias. So, I mean, you could have several different things. So you might want to have a lawn service come out and look at it's getting some application of an insecticide. Okay. So there's nothing that we could actually put on it that would kill grubs, cinch bugs? Well, uh, grubs, grubs, you're going to know that you have the grubs very, you know, pretty darn easily. But, uh, you know, to, an insecticide, if you really want to get it done correctly— you have professional service, but you could go to your favorite garden center, tell them what you have, what you're because you have to have a separate type of insecticide for the grubs as opposed to some of the other ones. So that's what you, you know, you have to orchestrate, 
you know, manipulate and make sure you're going to have an insecticide that will get rid of pretty much everything, and then realize it's going to take a couple years. It's not going to be just one application. It's going to get rid of your problem. Oh, wow. So uh, that leads me to my next question. In one area of my grass, I have zoysia, and it has turned bright yellow, like it's dying. And it's been like that all summer when it's supposed to be green and growing. Right. That's not a good sign. So either that spot is wet or there's some that caused some problem for the zoysia because it shouldn't have been yellow. Yeah, it it looks really bad, like it's dying. Okay. Um, so these cinch bugs, you say that they, they can do damage too, huh? Right. All right. Well, uh, do you have a... Uh, landscaping service that you would recommend? Uh, yeah, just, you know, you don't want a landscape service. You want a lawn service, like oh, lawn doctor. Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much. Certainly. My pleasure. Yeah, it's a real nightmare. I mean, lawns are very, very difficult. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Don's yard. Hi, Don. Hello, Mike. Hi. I got a question for you. My sister is looking for a tulip tree seedling to replace a tree that was taken out this summer. Uh, she, uh, what you got? I contacted the Arbor Day Foundation. It so happens I have a little seedling in my yard. And I contacted the Arbor Day Foundation. They referred me to the state forester. And he came back and he said, don't take it, uh, put it in a pot and hold it. But he didn't say what to do with it over the winter type thing. Do I do what you normally say about sticking it in the ground? Yes. And what you call it, putting it in a pot and sticking the pot in the ground over the winter, give it to her or give it to her to plant type I thing. would say stick it in a pot, you know, dig a hole, put the pot in the, you know, in the ground, give it to her, her in the springtime. Okay, and I should go ahead and what you call it, put it in my yard or put it in her yard. She uh, lives out in central Missouri. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, just so you get it in the ground for the winter time. Okay, I got you. It's only three or four inches tall. Oh, that type wow! Of My question, last question for you: Is it too late to plant to put silence uh, overseed that kind of thing? It, you're on the cusp. They may work out, but it may you know the seed may germinate. If it gets cold, it could kill it off before the root systems get deep enough into the ground. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, and now let's head over to Mario's. Mario, oh, sorry, let's head over. Oh, let's head over to Joe's. Well, let's go to. <laughs> it's your. Oh, Mike. Hi. Yes. Yeah, Mike. Uh, I got a creek running uh, along the property, about two hundred feet, and for about forty of it, there's a bad smell coming out of it. It flows all year round, doesn't have stagnant water, and I called the gas company, no leak. Called the city, no sewage leak. And I heard earlier on the program about a ginkgo tree that smells bad. Is that, uh, is that a possibility? Could a ginkgo be down there in a the creek? No. Ginkgo is a regular big tree, and their ginkgo fruits are like little round things that smell like dog poop. Oh, no. This is almost, a, a, I look for dead animals. I look for everything, and it is there, and nobody can find a source. And is there some sort of smelly plants that could be down there along the creek? Well, my guess is probably some kind of algae. Algae. So I should now, so I should get an algae side and and just throw it in the water. Well, you could try it. I, you know, without actually knowing, 
I see you live in Illinois, but why don't you have the county extension people come over and take a look? Oh, okay. I'll call them then. Uh, all right. That'll be my next move. All right. Thanks, Mike. Certainly. And now let's go to Mario. Can you do it kind of quick? Good. Uh, yes. Good morning. Hi. I have two um, burning bushes to my left, to the left of my home mm-hmm. at the entrance. And in between that, I have a little uh, evergreen. It looks nice. And then to the right, I have also these two burning bushes. I like it to look, my question is, I like them to look nice and oval. And now I, I was going to actually uh, trim them. And I, I heard on the, on the show that you shouldn't do it, that you shouldn't do it to some, to some uh, you know, to some trees or to some plants. And I'm like, should I, can I do that to the burning bushes? Because I like it to look, you know, oval with the flat top. Right. You can, so, they're tough. Mm-hmm. You can prune them this time of year if you want to, or you can wait till we come out of wintertime before any kind of new growth begins and prune them then. What month is that? Oh, so you're saying like, a, what, Feb- I heard February. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you can do it all. That's generally going to be, you know, when you can do it, just make sure before you do the pruning before the new growth starts coming out of the stems. Oh, okay. So, but I could do it today, though, right? I mean, it, it, yes. it won't freeze. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Certainly. And I don't know if we can get to another one or not. Shirley, can you do it real quick? Okay. Yes, I have amaryllis in the ground. I'd like to know if I can cut them off and put a lot of mulch on the top, if that would work. Also, if I can put neem oil in the ground uh, where peonies are for a fungus, I have trouble with that. Yeah, the neem is fine. Uh, the amaryllis surviving outside is going to be not likely. Okay. So you, those All have right. to be dug up. You can d- dig them, just dig the bulbs up and bring them inside. You don't have to put them in a pot or anything. You just have the so bulb I've been, inside. I've been doing that, but I've got a lot of them oh. out there, and I thought I'd bring some of them in and just try uh, the ones in the ground, see if that would work also. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you may, who knows? The world is changing, the climate's changing, and everything else. They may survive, but that's generally not going to be the case. So there's nothing I wrong also, with trying. I was also wondering if they start, you know, they start, the bulb starts growing, you know, after two or three months. Right. I was wondering if they start growing in the winter um, when they're still covered. What would, what no, would happen there? They're not going to grow. When the ground is cold, they're not going to grow. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Thank you so much. Certainly. Thanks to everybody for calling in, Margaret and Jason. Sorry we didn't get a chance to get to you, but uh, Garden Hotline, (sighs) thanks to everybody for calling. I appreciate it. You having me on your show. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 